Audio Conversation with Bridget Nielsen, recorded Thursday, January 31st, 2013. You know, I'm not really sure how I found Bridget's website. I think I was just scrolling through some stuff on YouTube that had to do with um, aliens and UFOs, which is something I would do. And I found just her talking in front of the camera, and um, she was talking about her hybrid children. Now, what she was saying was stuff that I had heard in one form or another a lot over the years from from women who, who have been through the contact experience, the abduction experience. And, and part of that, especially for women, uh, has to do with memories of children or odd pregnancies. But, um, but what set Bridget apart was that she was so smiley and so like like electrically happy uh that's something that i i don't equate much with the ufo abduction phenomena so i was i was kind of fascinated um also her father kirk shares some of these experiences and and if some of the videos were with her and her father at the same time talking about their experiences and they and her father is also very very smiley um so i i was um i was just kind of struck that something was going on here that i had that i really hadn't run into before so uh, as a follow-up to that i watched all the videos on her youtube page and i think i read through everything on her website there there actually isn't that much content it's not like there's hundreds of pages to to scroll through so uh, i read all that um one of the things that was curious is that i had actually spoken to someone named sharon mccormick and that that woman uh, started the website along with bridget yeah, very interesting very interesting and now so another thing beyond the smiley stuff another thing that 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 kind of shocked me when i when i kind of looked at these things and kind of looked at the dates on things was that uh, this this happened very fast. It seems that Bridget was unaware of any sort of what would be alien contact, unaware of it at all, and then within months she goes from an awakening experience to fully manning a, a website, to doing audio interviews, to posting multiple YouTube videos one after another, uh, all about her experiences so so that that uh, accelerated jump into the public eye really really struck me as something that that um that i that i kind of wanted to investigate now a, a couple little small things here now i'll just point out she mentions it but i thought it was very funny when she said it her name is bridget and it's spelled b-r-i-d-g-e bridge and the last two letters are e-t so that's bridge e-t and she talks about how she's playing the role of a bridge between humanity and and the ETs. Um, it actually spells bridge T if you get if you're very literal, but um, but I knew exactly where she was coming from. Now, one more thing. Her last name, Nielsen, which is a very common Danish name, is my mother's maiden name, and it is also my middle name. So we share the same name. Uh, it's it's not it's not altogether an uncommon name but but that did strike me as something to pay attention to if you if you watch Bridget's videos you read her text and if you listen to the dialogue here you'll very quickly realize that she 
is on one side of the continuum. She is she is not on the nuts and bolts side. She's very much on the consciousness, love and light side of things, which is which is great. I, and I've spoken about this a lot in this blog and in, in, in these interviews and I've written about it. I am um, I'm challenged by that tone. Um, now, when I was silly as it sounds, I'm I'm actually more challenged by the vocabulary words she uses. It's not so much what she's saying, it's how she's saying it that, that I find personally challenging. You, you'll hear me. I don't, I'm not shy about bringing that up during the interview. But, uh, but that does, uh, whatever, I have a filter, I guess, in place. For good or for bad, it's in place. I recognize it's there. Uh, what I have found that I am doing... Um, I, there are a lot of people in this UFO research community that would um, recoil from what she's saying. You know, they would dismiss her claims. They would whatever. They would dismiss her with contempt just by by some of the things she's saying. Uh, that that doesn't interest me. Um, that it just ain't in me. What I've found that I've been doing, and this is actually sort of a change that's taken place in the last five years or so in me personally is that uh when i sense that when i sense that i'm challenged i i will um i will move towards the challenge i will i will you know i want to understand it i i recognize that it's a it's like a flaw in me to be so judgmental let's say so i'll move towards the challenge to to try to better understand it uh, the the audio the videos she has her YouTube videos she 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 comes across a little bit as a spokesperson, which I think is valid, but but I was very happy that during this interview she seems much much more grounded, and she's not in the in the role of the spokesperson. Uh, I'm I'm glad I made the effort to reach out to her and do this because what she's saying is is absolutely fascinating. And her story, especially like the accelerated uh, timeline that she's that she's experienced, to me is is incredibly fascinating. And and, and uh, I, I I make a big effort to to define that timeline. I wanted to to uh, pick it apart, to put it in order, to understand it. So we spend a lot of this interview talking about that timeline which i which for me was very helpful in understanding the overall uh, picture that she's that she's creating this interview is just shy of two hours long please enjoy bridget i want to thank you so much for saying yes to this interview it means a lot to me thank you for having me Hey, um, I stumbled on, I, you know, I'm not even sure how I found it, but I stumbled on your YouTube videos, and that seems to be a big part of your site, and your site is called Hybrid Children Community. Um, and, I mean, can you just explain what you're doing and what's happening on that site? Yes. Um, one of the things that got me into this, um, my ET experiences, was specifically working with the hybrid kids. They're the first thing that came to me. I mean, most people remember their experiences first, and then over you know years and years and years, they come finally to go. Oh, I think I I think kids came out of that whole hybridization program and the taking of the eggs and the sperm. And for me, for some reason, my heart just exploded, and I had visions, and I had just definite 
telepathic conversations and awarenesses of these children that are mine um, from my uh, experiences on the ships. Oh, here, and, here, let me just yeah. interrupt. So you said your heart exploded. You, you're describing sort of an awakening experience. When did that happen? That happened about a year ago now. So we're talking January, February of 2012. 2012. So just the dawn of 2012. Okay, sure. No, great. So let me, yeah. I'm writing this down because I just want to, your, your, your timeline is fascinating to me. So I'm just, I just, I want to make some notes here. Thank you. Keep going. And so it, it, the, the dawn of that kind of awakening and what had come right before that is I had done a lot of healing work and um, been in different trainings that go through the whole spectrum of all the, you know, metaphysical community and all the metaphysical things that you learn about spirits and guides and angels and those kinds of things. But the one thing that was included in this spiritual training were alien abductions. And I was completely just taken in by people's stories and how they thought they were real. I was like, really? I mean, these people are convinced that this is a real thing that happened to them. Like I can see, you know, the terror, I can see the experience like within them. So what is that about? Like, there's gotta be something to it. Cause this is just too real. And, you know, with all the alien stuff out in, you know, Hollywood, et cetera, there's gotta be something valid to this. And ooh, so ooh, here, let me just, let, I'm going to interrupt again. I apologize. But you said you were, you were doing some spiritual training. Was this like formal in like a, in like a classroom environment or, or like, were you under the, you know, were you being tutored by a mentor? Yes. Tutored, tutored by a mentor, but it was a, a big workshop training, um, in San Diego, um, two week it, intensive. We go through, you know, learning about parallel past lives and, um, all different types of things. And, and who and, ran it? Who ran the her name's Ellen Kaufman Dosick, and it's called Soul Memory Discovery. Okay, good. This is good to hear. And when was the spiritual training? The spiritual training was in June of 2011. Okay, so the, the, in, uh, we had, we, just to, be, to come clean to the listening audience here, we did have a conversation, uh, a few conversations by phone, uh, setting up this interview. And uh, and one of the things I'm I'm fascinated by, and that's and I'm, that's part of the reason I'm being so specific about these dates, is the is how how quick all this happened. Yes. So, yeah. And and that that to me, I mean, what you're saying, like for for what you're saying in your videos, what you're sharing on your website, is is things that I have heard many times, many times from from either uh, from people directly or through books. Um, but what seems different about you is just that the, the sort of accelerated emergence of, of, of your presence and, and your, your, your passion about all this. Yeah, it's completely true. And I think one of, one of the components that really has assisted this acceleration is my immersion into discovery of all of these things of the unknown. I mean, at this time, even in 2011, I had quit my corporate advertising job and went full-time into this healing work and in full-time into my art. So I didn't have any um, kind of structure in the outside world. So I could spend my days literally painting or doing healing work and just diving into these spaces, diving into my unconscious, diving into like human dynamic and like why people do what they do. So I think the, that time, um, away and out of kind of the the real world and with no kind of constraints of that, um, I got to have this complete 
imaginative journey into like these deeper parts of myself and my experiences. Um, and I, you and I share besides uh, our name, my middle name is Nielsen spelled the same <laughs> way. Uh, besides sharing our name, uh, uh, I also quit a corporate advertising job and, um, and so I, I, whatever, that's only good is going to come from that, from my direct experience. I can, I can assure you of that. So thank you. Whew. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, so, and also it just, this is funny. You use the term, the real world, you're referring to the corporate world and, and such. And, and I, uh, I've been teaching, doing outdoor work and stuff like that. So I've sort of immersed myself in, oh, kind of natural, the natural world, the wilderness and stuff. And I, and I am very hyper aware of the term, um, the real world. Uh, so whatever, what you're doing now is actually part of the real world. So don't, don't, you know, I, I almost consider the corporate thing, you know, the, the sort of false, uh, you know, the false part of the dichotomy there. Anyway, I'll let you keep Absolutely. going. I mean, it, it's the, um, I feel like my world that I'm living in now is more of the natural world, and that would be the normal world, you know, of, of what's the norm. But mine feels more naturally inclined to who I am as a human and as a soul in a body. So, yeah, I agree. Okay, so so uh, where were we? Um, this spiritual training. You had prepped yourself with these, uh, with, with with how to say it, like new experiences. And I also want to add, how old are you? Um, I'm 25 right now, and um, that would have been, I would have just turned 23. Um, and I had been doing, even before this specific training that kind of led me to understanding alien, alien abduction, I had for years, like for those three years before, like since I was 20, been doing all kinds of like different spiritual ancestral studies, all different kinds of things um, that led me to that training. Um, so so I had been already diving in pretty deeply and looking at my fear and going through it and going into these different dimensions. So by the time the alien thing came up, I had already gulped, you know, in entities and my, you know, past life as a witch or whatever. So it was kind of just the next step um, towards this kind of world I was exploring. Okay. And this is one of the other reasons that I, that I sort of found your, your site so fascinating was that because you are so young, um, the, the, uh, I'm 50. And when I show up at UFO conferences, um, I feel like I am, you know, the youngest person in the room. Uh, so, so it is, it's, it's, I'm all for it. I'm that there's, there's, there needs to be some youthful blood in the, in the mix because it is a, it can feel like it's a pretty stodgy scene, you know, whether that be even the books or the, or the uh, you know articles written, and especially when you're in in a conference environment. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's so exciting to me. I haven't been to a, co a conference yet, and I'm going. You know, I'll see you at the one coming up here in a month. Um, I'm excited to go and like be immersed in kind of this world where I'm the only young person. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be interesting. Well, yeah, there may, yeah, the, the, you, you, I feel strongly that you will sense that you will be very aware that there, there won't be many people your age. Um, and, uh, and it is that conference in particular, this is referred to as the open minds conference or sometimes called the UFO Congress. Um, I think it's five days long. Is that right? It used to be eight days long. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and what that allows is, um, you know, I'm not actually that interested in the speakers, you know, like I'm not that interested in sitting in the audience and listening to the presentations. 
what I find extremely rewarding is just talking to the folks at the conference. And, and given that amount of time that it's that long, um, you can you can you know take someone aside and say, "Ooh, we we should talk," and then and then you can actually make time for it. If if it was a um, you know a two day conference or or a one day conference, uh, I, that wouldn't happen. So there there's I find that the I don't want to use the term networking. Just the sort of human connection is um, is really rewarding at this conference in particular. I'm excited for that. Good, yeah. good. Okay, I'm keep on sidetracking you. So, um, so is there anything else that was that led up to what would have been, I, I guess, just the awakening experience in January of 2012? Um, I mean, I had been so after I got trained, I had you know clients every, every week or so. And I would have, and they would all have these abduction experiences that would come up and I'd be listening to them. And then I would, um, connect with the other people that were in my class and I'd go, Hey, do you guys have any, are you having a lot of people that are telling you their experiences? And they're like, no, not really. We don't really have any. And I'm going, okay, so this is me. I'm attracting these specific people that have these experiences. And then I'm going, wow, this, there's a lot of them and they're real. And so what, what else can I explore about it? So then I started watching, you know, movies like the fourth kind and ugh, just ugh. anything. Okay. I didn't care if it scared me, whatever it was. I just wanted to understand what these people that had these experiences were going through. Cause it couldn't have been me, of course. And so I just kind of put it outside of myself as I explored it. And then after specifically watching the fourth kind, which is quite, a terrifying movie of people's um, remembrances and their hypnosis. I just, I, ha I just asked. I was, and the question wasn't, was I abducted? The question was, do I have hybrid children? And I just, I still think that that's very strange that I would have asked that as my first question. And the answer was, I mean, a catapulting yes. I just broke down into tears and bawled for about 20 minutes and just felt so much love like overwhelm me and I'm going whoa like there's got to be something to this because I'm why would I make this up there's no reason why I should um you know believe this to be true unless it was unless some part of myself knew it and I was awakening to that and so so this uh this catapulting was that the awakening event that took place in 2012 I mean yeah. in January Okay. Oh, this is fascinating. Now, so you said you had clients and what was, what was the role you were playing? Were you playing the role of a therapist or? I was playing the role of, um, acknowledging their experiences. Um, cause we were going through a lot of different, um, things that could be going on in a, um, bigger dimensional way within them that they weren't seeing, like in all the unseen things. So if they had entity attachments or if they had, um, just kind of negativity in their field or, certain other lives or things like that. So this was just kind of going down the list and going, oh, hey, by the way, so, you know, those experiences that you had when you were young, like, did you ever feel, you know, frightened or get taken to another place? And as I would just start validating it and talking about it, because it, it came up um, through the pendulum work and through the guidance, they would go, they would just start crying or they would go, how did you know? Or that's really what that was. And they would get kind of a confirmation for the first time in their life that they weren't crazy or that something did happen to them. And I was acknowledging that. And so it was, it was an amazing exchange um, and just kind of 
hearing more about it. I mean, one of my friends um, who was a client at the time, she, she talked about actually pulling her little brother out of the spaceship, like, cause she ran outside and saw it going up and pulled the little brother out of kind of the, the white light as he was being pulled up. And I said, well, were those experiences terrifying for you? And um, she said, no, they actually started me on my spiritual path at age eight. So, um, so I got a variety of different firsthand experiences um, being an objective observer to the whole scenario um, from the beginning, which was really interesting. So in, w- w- were you using psychic skills or just like listening skills when you were playing the role of, of uh, uh, you know, with your clients? I was using, um, yeah, psychic kind of like guidance abilities, tuning into their higher self, tuning into their guides. I was using a pendulum to connect with um, yes or no to whatever they had going on. Um, and then also there was, there was so, somewhat of a format. So it was like, okay, if they did have abduction experiences, what age did they start get, to, what age did they get taken? Did any other people in their family get taken? Were these experiences terrifying? So we kind of had a format to go through. So even if I didn't you know, necessarily know much about this area, I could ask the question and, and know more about it. So I knew how to direct it, even though I was new to this specific topic. And it was just so neat because in the metaphysical community, I haven't seen the integration between that spirituality and abduction all in one kind of like healing. So it was really powerful to do that work. And I'll, so I'm, I'm actually... Uh, what you said when you said that the uh, the clients were sharing their uh, contact experiences, and mm-hmm. then um, you kind of asked the other folks in your in your group, you know, oh, are you experiencing the same thing? And they all said no. So uh, I, uh, I I sort of no longer believe in coincidence. So so to me that is a very telling uh, clue to to you know what's going on. The fact that that somehow whether intuitively or whether just the cosmic fabric of the universe just aligned in this way that you were you were given um these clients that all had that experience absolutely and and we had been trained to know that like we're a body receptor so we give off a certain vibration and so we will attract specific clients that kind of are our specialty like our specialty areas because one person might be really good at um um, some kind of like healing of trauma, but then another one might be good at like figuring out past lives and getting getting to the very root of it. So I ended up becoming a little bit more of the like ET abduction, and I think it's because the other ones just didn't even want to go there. They're like, I don't actually even want to acknowledge that, that exists, so they didn't attract the clients that had those experiences. Whereas I was like, hmm, I'd actually like to know more. So I think subconsciously or on some fabric level of you know divine matrix i was attracting those people um so there's a year between your awakening and now um and can yes. you just run through what went what happened in that year so I mean, or, after or that's yeah. a big that, i mean whatever that it's i sense <laughs> that that's a big story so yeah so just take your time we got all the time in the world here perfect um so after that awakening where i felt i had hybrid children um, nothing about abduction even come up, came up yet. It was just, I have hybrid children. Okay. Wow. And so I, I think I, it just took me probably four months to fully gulp it 
and to fully embrace it and just like let it kind of sink into my bones. And I didn't really do anything about it. I didn't, um, I talked about it, you know, with my, with my mom and dad. Um, and we knew, I knew about hybrid children because I had been listening to this channeled extraterrestrial named Bashar and he talks about abduction experiences. So when I was doing some of my research in that right after the, the training, I heard, oh, there's hybrid children that are created from the abduction program. So, um, so I knew that they existed and I had heard about them, um, but nothing had come forth for me to do about it quite yet. So then um, after, when it, when it was about June, I went to one of these Bashar actually workshops and I got called to ask him a question. And I already knew the answer, but I just, it was helpful to have the validation. And I went up and I said, do I have hybrid children? And he said, yes. I said, okay, well, I knew that. <laughs> and he goes, yes. And we, there wasn't very much more to the exchange. I didn't really care to know how many or any details about them at the time. But the thing that came from that specific workshop was the public, me being public right there, speaking with the microphone in front of a hundred people, there were a bunch of other hybrid mothers and experiencers in the audience that immediately came up to me. So I left that workshop with, you know, probably five, 10 mothers going, I'm a hybrid, I'm a hybrid mother. Oh, I'd love to connect with you. And all of a sudden I had this whole community kind of already at hand to help me process this and understand it and go through what they've already experienced. So here, uh, was one of the women Sharon McCormick? Yes. Okay, so I this is interesting because I did an interview with Daryl Anka, uh -huh. um, and he didn't go into channel at all in during the interview. Uh, he, he sort of, which is actually very rare to hear an interview with just him. So uh, it was actually quite a good interview, I thought. I, I just re-listened to it recently, and I was, I was really impressed. Um, so, but oh, I, I included a, um, a, just a YouTube clip of mm -hmm. of the uh just to just to have as part of of the uh the blog excuse me the yeah the, the posting with the audio interview and in that youtube clip it was him talking about hybrid children and then in the audience this woman asks a question and she's a very handsome woman and she had a very wonderful speaking voice and it was sharon mccormick so that so most of that that youtube video is uh an the back and forth between Bashar, I mean, Daryl Anka channeling the voice of Bashar, and and Sh and Sharon. Now, mm -hmm. the reason I posted that was, um, you know, there's a million Bashar videos out there, and I was like, oh gosh, how do I pick these? Yeah, and, how do you pick? Yeah, so so the the uh, the I'm doing this from memory here. The the view count, which shows up in big letters on the side of the video was one zero two three and for some reason don't ask me why i have you know the number one two three or one two three four seems to like show up in my life all the time so you know and i kind of said like oh well that's you know one zero two three isn't really one two three so mm -hmm. i kind of dismissed it like okay i'll just like i'll just keep on looking but it was a little bit nagging so i kind of went back and looked at it again and it was um the the video was recorded on my birthday which is august 22nd so um and then i was like okay great this is this is solved I, i'm gonna just uh, i'll just post this one and I'd, i don't really remember if i actually paid that much attention to the content of it um when i posted it um but so that's how i posted that 
Sharon McCormick emailed me after seeing, after listening to the audio interview and seeing, realizing that she was in the video that I, that I, and then we had a long conversation. We probably talked for two hours one night. This is going back probably a little less than a year ago now, maybe right around there. So um, anyway, so the, keep going. I just, I, sorry to hold the court there for so long, but. Um, yeah, no, that's totally synchronistic and interesting. Um, yeah, so Sharon was one of the, was meeting her was, I mean, that really just for some reason, like the anchoring of, of her conviction with her kids facilitated my, I don't know, just kind of going crazy just in the, in the way of just like creating, just creating the website, the videos and all this stuff. So I went, she had a private session with Daryl, with Bashar, and um, this other being came through who's Bashar's counterpart named Anima, and she hadn't come through in about 30 years. This was the first time that she had come through was for Sharon, and it was all about the hybrid children, and that's what she does. She assimilates the hybrid children and assist them to get ready to come to Earth. And when I heard and saw that video, I mean, everything in the core of who I was shook. And Ooh, just so, like, so the video was of like the, so she had a video recording of the private session she had with Bashar. Yes. Okay. So that's not the video that, uh, that, that was where Bashar is speaking in front of a big auditorium. Oh yeah. This was a private session and, um, and it just shook me. It, it just, it shook me into like this deep, deep place where I'm like, I know that being, I know this anima. Like I think I'm pretty sure I work with her on the ship. And I'm meant to help assist and assimilate these kids on Earth. I mean, my name is Bridge It, like I'm, but it's Bridge ET, like I, I'm helping to bridge that world. And I think me coming aware of all of this at this time, um, specifically at the, in this timing, and also at my age of, you know, being so young, it's kind of, I'm in between not only um, the different generations of, of, you know, the UFO world or whatnot, but I'm in between these kids that have this, you know, that are indigos and crystals and then the hybrid kids to come and the adults. And I can, I understand both worlds. And so, um, so at, at that, that was kind of like the second awakening, I guess you could say. And then she said, well, I've been looking for someone to do a website for the hybrid. And this is and Sharon I, McCormick said this. Yes. Okay. And I go, well, that's really interesting because, I mean, I, I can make a, a simple one. I mean, I, I can't make a complex one, but I can make a simple one. And actually, that sounds like the most exciting thing that I could do. And for some reason, I don't even know what in me, like there's just something in me where I just spent all last summer um, creating the first blog post, creating the website. I just spent full time doing it. I didn't I didn't know where any other money was going to come from. I didn't spend time doing anything else. I dedicated myself to it. And by the end of the summer, things had really started to take off. And I didn't even, I don't even know where, I, it wasn't a mental thing. It was literally like this soul movement that has made me create and do all the things that I've done. Um, I... We'll talk about myself. I've I, and I the 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 blog is in a sometimes feels like a full time job, um, doing these audio interviews, which I actually don't do that many of. I just do a few a month. But um, I have said this over and over again that the 
more the genesis of the blog. Now it almost feels like habit that I'm doing these, and I, and I find it fascinating. And I, uh, but but the genesis of the website that this audio interview will be a part of, I feel like I was compelled by an outside source to to create that website, and I understand how that sounds. And yeah. all I can do is is you know that's just a feeling but that was very much the feeling that surrounds the the genesis and all the crazy synchronicities that were surrounded including a bunch of one two three four synchronicities um surrounding the genesis of the website back in 2009 so yeah. so what you just when you described like you were working full time and you didn't care about the money it didn't even cross your mind and and uh uh you know the, the creating the the site um i i resonate with that i, I tap into that pretty closely and, and funny enough, we both came from that advertising background, so we know enough about, you know, how to create and, you know, spread the word, because that's kind of our background. So I'm going, everything that even even before when I was doing advertising, that's that all was perfectly divinely orchestrated to line me up to be able to do what I'm doing right now for hybrid children. And, and what were you? What was your t what role? Um, I was doing, specifically, I was working, I was the um, creative director in creating um, campaigns for mostly children's uh, programs. So I would work with Disney, I'd work with Warner Brothers, and specifically on their kids' films and help with the advertising ideas behind the campaigns. And then I would exec help execute the campaign from beginning to end. Um, so... I was working with children's topics and I was working on spreading the word about them. So I, it hasn't changed much. It's just alien children, not Disney movies anymore. Huh. And I'm, when I worked in advertising, the majority of the work that I did was, uh, uh, I was an art director mm -hmm. and, um, in working with, um, doing children's advertising, mostly for, Oh, Hasbro and Milton Bradley. This is going back into the 1980s, really. So this is kind of ancient history at this point. But um, I, um, yeah. So uh, I have, I have uh, drawn many, many, many storyboard frames for Hungry Hungry Hippos. Let me put it that way. So. <laughs> That's great. Okay, so so we're somewhere in the summer of 2012, and you're um, you're furiously producing this website. When did the website go online? Um, it went online. I'm not even sure. I think it went online um, pretty much maybe July. It was is not fully, you know. Sure. It, I think it went online around July. That yeah, great. I just was curious, giving so so that's that's a um, within a month of of your going to the uh, Daryl Anker or the Bashar uh, session. Just dove in. Okay, keep going. I would. And, yeah, and so simultaneously to building the website, um, I went into just because I mean I am new to the whole thing. I you know I'm like okay, I need to know about what all this stuff is and where's the government at in this whole thing? Where are other people at? And so um, I was doing a lot of uh, research and governmental research at that time, and on the disclosure topic, and um, I just was uh, appalled really about how people couldn't. I mean, it's still in the laws, you know, for military and government officials to ridicule those who speak out about their experiences. It's yeah, like I don't know if it's necessarily in the laws, but it's certainly, it's certainly being whatnot. orchestrated from a top-down. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, so it's 
so it was just an interesting thing to me. And I'm like, wow, this is so interesting. So looking at it from a consciousness perspective, I was going, okay, if this is a holographic universe and quantum physics, if I am the micro of the macro, if I disclose in myself, if I am truly transparent in myself, that can only then reflect in the macro over time or whatnot. But I'm going, I don't see any other way that I can, you know, go knock on the doors of the White House and say, hey, tell us what, tell us about the real Roswell story. Um, so I was like, what can I do in my life to take action and actually do this? And I, that's what I've always done is it's like, I'm going to take first responsibility for me and what I've created in my reality and in my world. And so in doing that, I went, okay, what can I do? What can I do? And I'm like, well, I can tell my story of my, you know, abduction experience. And at the same time, I was being super called to go and get a regression with Barbara Lamb. And when you say super called, that means? Um, pushed by like a, a divine source. Just as, It's just everything in me is going, go do this. Um. And so at that time, I, I went, well, if I'm going to go out, go, go public about this, then I've got to re- know my abduction experience. All I know about is my hybrid kids. I don't even remember my abductions. And so, so what, so, so, okay, so, so it's not like you physically met your hybrid kids. It's not like, it's not like the, you know, a, a van pulls up like a, and, and the door opens up and a bunch of, you know, uh, kids jump out and introduce themselves. And, and that's happening in 3D world. That I, I'm assuming has not happened. No, not yet. So what has happened when you say, I mean, you're, you're, is it, you know, so so what's, how do you, I guess I'm trying to ask is, why do you feel so adamant that this is a reality? Through all of my other um, spiritual muscle building um, and all my other psychic ability and all my other perceptions of different realities, I've cultivated a deep sensitivity and a deep um skill to differentiate between different energies to where I know, you know, like I'm a medium, so I can speak with spirits that have passed. I, you know, can connect with other parallel realities. So I can connect with guides and angels. So I can connect with all these energies and I can differentiate and be like, this is a specific energy. I know what it is. I'm just very versed in the unseen. And so these kids have a very distinct energy and I started to see patterns in how they came to the parents and how they came to me um, in the way that the kids at this point, um, I don't know necessarily how their protocol works, but what it seems to be is that a kid, a hybrid kid will not start talking to telepathically kind of coming to into dreams of parents or of people unless they're a parent. So there's a direct correlation. Like if you've got, you know, ET children coming and knocking on your door, that means that they're yours. And there's, it seems like there's a big kind of wall where other people can't get into that relationship. It needs to be cultivated first between the parent and the child. And um, obviously, because it's like a genetic match, but there's something maybe programmed in the parent and kid to make that connection before they go out, you know, to meet other people. So I was cultivating this with my kids. I used my art, my skills in my artwork, which is to perceive other dimensions and bring them into this reality. And so um, that was, 
that was a really big way for me to connect to the kids and connect with their energy. And um, another way that was really big was telepathically connecting with them, um, just just acknowledging that they were there. Okay, good. So so this is leading up to um, your meeting with Barbara Lamb. Now, uh, just so you know, I have uh, Barbara Lamb has attempted a hypnosis regression with me. Uh -huh. I actually have a very beautiful and sweet story to tell. I won't tell it now. Maybe before this is up, I'll share it with you. But um, and uh, so and I've actually met Barbara Lamb many times, and and uh, and I get along great with her. And I did an interview that's probably one of the longer interviews I've done on the site is probably almost well over three hours of of her, um, you know, sharing her experiences. Which I don't know what you know about what she's been through, but man, whoo, uh, she comes across as this sweet, charming. Like, you know, like if you were going to do a, like a Hallmark commercial for like, and you needed to cast the perfect grandmother, you know, you would, you would hire Barbara Lamb to play the perfect grandmother. She's very soft-spoken and very sweet. And um, so it, it, her experiences, I'm surprised at her experiences giving the, given the, you know, the person that I've, that, you know, that you meet. So. When I, I mean, she's just perfectly aligned with what she does in the way that there's no one else that you would feel more comfortable in going to that place with than her. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people say that. Yeah, I, I, um, I mean, there's other. I mean, Leo Sprinkle, I feel purpose, you know, wonderfully connected with. So there's other folks out there. Yeah, so so uh, that that also have a sort of radiant side of them. Um, so so uh, yeah, I, we keep on interrupting, but I think all this stuff is good. So uh, you were drawn to. How did you pick Barbara Lamb? Um, I picked Barbara yet again through Sharon. So Sharon had been to her. Um, to do a regression to me to go back to an experience where she has met her children. And so she, she brought her up um, spontaneously and said, there's a um, experiencer group that, that she's holding, but you have to go get a regression first. And I'm going, I'd love to go get a regression. I want to go figure out all of this stuff. And so I went and had a regression with her. Now here, let me, so, so uh, there's a, uh, Sharon McCormick, and I don't think I'm giving away anything here. I'm, uh, but she talked about her regression with Barbara Lamb, and she, and then at the end of it, you know, when she was talking to me on the phone, she said, you know, I didn't believe it. So it sounds like Sharon is much more connected with, with uh, Bashar and the information that that is coming through Bashar, and and uh, doesn't really trust the memories that emerged uh, through her regression, which I actually think is healthy, and I and I respect that greatly. So. Yeah, yeah, I would say I would say that she has um, more of a healthy skepticism towards things, um, and and for me, I'm just there's just like I have such a knowingness because this has been my kind of job, if you will, to um, perceive these other dimensions and stuff that I just like I know it, like I very much so trust it because I'm I've done it for so long in a way, or I it, it's so deep in me that I it just feels so right. So what came from the the session? So so the session was, and I was I was up for anything. I was like, I don't remember. I vaguely remember any of my experiences, if anything. I just remember maybe lights in my room, at various times, and definitely the um, common female story, which is, you know, pregnancies, like feeling pregnant um, when I'm 13 years old, you know, virgin Mormon in Utah. So, um, so I knew that that wasn't the case, but I had felt the pregnancy thing um, through my teens and then also the, the lights in my room. So we went in through the light scenario and I went right into it. Um, 
and I, and I, she, I, I knew that they were coming. And so I sat up in my bed and they just fully beamed me up through the wall and took me to their ship. And they beamed up my parents, which they threw against the side of the wall. And, oh, and, and how old were you with, when this is emerging? I think I was three, four, five. Something. Oh, so very young. Okay, great. I mean, that's what you're telling is, I mean, I've heard whatever. You're not surprising me with anything you're telling. So keep going. Right. And then my brother got taken up too. And, and my older parents, brother, younger brother? Younger. So he was, he was a kid and I got to sit on the chair and then my parents were knocked out, you know, against the side of the spaceship wall. And, um, and uh, Barbara is such a great facilitator who says, so why are you okay with this? Your parents have just been thrown against the wall and you're sitting on this foreign ship. And I, I just, I said, I know that I know what this is for. And she goes, well, what? And I said, it's for the awakening of humanity. And I was very much so in my inner four-year-old because I was just the way that I was saying things. And I just knew I was born knowing that this was what I was going to assist with this program and that I was a part of it, and I was fully conscious of why it was happening, and um, there was there was no fear that fear of it. It just I was completely connected to it. Okay, and did anything else emerge from the session? Um, we went we went up to the ship. I saw I was with the other little kids, and I was placed with different hybrid kids. And at that time, the hybrid kids were not very good looking. I mean, they they were still kind of um, deformed looking, the eyes were strange, they hadn't perfected them yet. And so um, I was playing with the kids. My parents got sent to um, the big, the big room where they were doing all the sexual egg sperm stuff. And, um, and I, you know, was doing different things like levitating and having fun. And then I switched to, I fast forwarded, I guess, to another experience when I was about 10 or 12 where I, they had at that time, I guess by that time they started to take my eggs and I was completely okay with it yet again. Like I still knew the deeper meaning of this whole thing. So I was like, okay, let's do this even though it, you know, hurt or whatnot. And then they stuck a huge needle into my hip and Barbara said, well, why did they do that? And then I saw one of my hybrid kids who wasn't forming correctly and then they stuck the needle into his hip. You know, they stuck that hip tissue into his hip to try and help his hips form and for him to live. But he ended up dying. And I mean, during the actual regression, I could physically, it was physically so real. I mean, it was painful. I could feel all of this. It was super emotional. I mean, very joyous. And then when this hybrid son of mine died, it was very painful, very sad. And at that time in normal 3D life, um, I had been doing a lot of dancing, competitive dancing when I was 10 to 12 years old. And I remember distinctly around that same time that that experience would have happened. I, one day we were stretching and I literally just lost it and was bawling and grieving and I couldn't stop crying. And I didn't know why. Like, I was like, where is this coming from? There's nothing wrong with me. There's nothing going on in my life. And so I think the, that experience of losing that child was so deep that it actually, you know, filtered through my unconscious and subconscious into my conscious mind to continue to release 
um, that experience. So that was that was very interesting. Okay, and just so then um, I knew a little bit of this. I, I was asking the questions just so the audience would hear it because you do cover this in one of your videos. Um, literally, like you know, you're, I think you're, you have a little handheld camera, and you're in the car, sitting in a parking lot. It looks like, and it might be just outside of Barbara's office, maybe. Yes, yeah. And so at that time, when I went that morning to that regression, um, it was like, do a video. I'm like, what? It's like, do a before and after video of, of this experience. And I'm like, that is really vulnerable and really crazy. I don't know what's gonna happen. And I did it, and um, and that was the beginning of my coming full circle to the disclosing in myself. I was like, okay, if I can disclose my experiences, then others can disclose theirs, and you know, then finally it'll lead to the government being able to disclose. So that was my logic. And within one day of posting that video, which I did end up posting on my personal Facebook, it was on. Kevin and Bean, one of the largest Los Angeles radio stations. I didn't even know about it. I had friends calling me saying, "There's your your voice is recorded talking about your alien abduction." So it was. I w literally went hyper public overnight. Huh. Okay. Yeah. That's. And I think YouTube has more of. A, I keep a little bit of anonymity. That's anonymity. Sorry. I keep. <laughs> Uh, you know, it's. I feel like doing the audio only is a little more private than than doing YouTube videos. I've thought about doing YouTube videos, and I feel like the audience that I have that listens to these is fairly intimate in the sense that the people who come to the site are coming for a reason. I, and I don't want people just to sort of end up here, you know, willy nilly just scrolling through a bunch of YouTube videos. So, um, yeah, YouTube has got a them in that that has a very intense power that as a as a resource. It does, and it and it has, and yet again, I was called to do the YouTube videos, so after I did that one, I just, um, well, I was then on Kevin and Bean, and so I'm like, okay, well, there's going to be a lot of traffic coming, so I might as well express and explain, you know, why the program's happening, what I know about it, talk more about hybrid kids, and do a bunch of videos so that people get a context to that video and understand more if they want to learn more. And that was very helpful because there were, um, I probably got like 50 emails um, around that time, that, that those few weeks of people saying, oh my gosh, I, I've never been able to tell anyone or I'm, you, your videos are helping me wake into my experiences. All of this stuff started to happen um, where people have, have completely awakened to it and been, I felt open enough to do so which has translated over till present day where I still get those same people messaging me going, okay, I remember it all. I now know my hybrid kids. And I'm like, wow, it's just, it was, it was beautiful how that exposure helped so many and um, led to a bigger awakening. Yeah. You know, so I, I get a lot of emails also, and I get a lot of people reaching out to me and, and, uh, in the, and I guess it's they're mirroring very similar to what's happening to you. They're mirroring my experience, where I'm sort of I've I've been doing this podcast series. I've been doing the website and the written work uh, as a form of therapy. You know, trying to make sense. This, I mean, you you're very smiley about all this, and to me, um, you know, trying to integrate and make sense of 
what may or may not be at the root of some of my memories is is challenging so um uh, and then i i find that that the people who are coming to me reaching out to me emailing me are are telling similar things where they're challenged and they're grateful that that i'm giving a voice to it um so so i can resonate completely with what you're saying yeah, and I just, it's been um, really magical to have that, that reflection and the ability to, yeah, work through it. It's like, what, what, what does this mean to me? And I think that I'm more smiley about the whole thing because even in my regression, I left that day and was forever changed because I'm going, oh my gosh, this was always, there was always something in me that just knew more, like knew of, of the expansiveness of the universe and it was that that hidden unconscious part of myself has ended up being like the most beautiful part of myself that that knows so much. And so diving into my experiences more and more. And I mean, at this point, I have nightly dreams remembering different experiences. Oh, describe. Just give me a give me a rundown of what that what a dream the narrative of one of those dreams. Uh, last night I had a dream about um, school class, um, which was just kind of like of course, kind of a barren, uh, stainless steel kind of classrooms um, and different kids in it talking and stuff, which felt like very much like a screen memory of, you know, the classes that they, that the grades sometimes have on their ships teaching you about not to destroy the world and stuff. So that was one of my recent ones. A few nights ago I had, um, I was laying on a metal table and I had a owl talon also and a reptilian claw on my stomach and um then i woke up out of bed um so wait a minute so so uh like like an owl talon like a like a little like like a little toe of an owl like that had been snipped off or was it still connected to an owl somehow it was it was like an owl was standing on my stomach but then simultaneously it was a reptilian claw on my stomach and it felt like a lot of pressure and then um, I just jumped out of bed because I like I finally like woke up or came back, whatever the circumstance was. Um, so it, I mean, it's it's been increasing because before in 2012, I mean, I would have a dream every you know month or something that could be vaguely like this. But at this point, I mean, it's it's lots of experiences every night. I had and then. Also, a few nights ago, I had this um, experience full in my sleep where um, my, around my belly button and then in my like womb area, I was literally shocked. It was like this huge vibrating, pulsating, like it, it hurt a lot. But the message I just kept getting is, this is okay. We're just upgrading you. We're just working on you. And it, I mean, it was very, very extreme and interesting. So, and so, hold on, I, was this in a dream realm, or was this something that you physically felt in a waking realm? Physically felt in a waking realm in the in the middle of the night, and um, after going through it with my dad and kind of talking about it, it felt like some. I don't know if it was necessarily the grays. Some beings were in the room doing this to me, and it was. It was for my betterment, absolutely. I, I could feel that that's what it was for. It was kind of like upping my frequency for something that I was needing to do. Um, but it was it was excruciating. It really hurt. So so, so I look forward to my sleep now because it's so interesting. <laughs> wow. So 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 um, 
uh where are we in the calendar last thing was the 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 ben and bean show or whatever it was called the the show that was took place on in la radio and, and so when would that have been? I'm just, I just, I want to continue this timeline because, because I'm actually fascinated by the, 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 how accelerated this whole process has been for you. That was at the end of August. August. So June, July. So we're, so we're, we're June, July, August. We're, so in the three months you've jumped right onto being interviewed on, you know, from meeting Bashar in, in, in June to being interviewed in, in August. Fascinating. Okay. And then um, from there, things just uh, kept accelerating as far as the community. Um, one of the things that, you know, like I said, was so, so beneficial in when, once I woke up to my experiences of having the hybrid kids was the instant community that I felt was Sharon and a few of the other moms at Bashar. And so with the website and then on the Facebook platforms and the YouTube videos, my, my goal has been to collect these parents and keep them in like a area where we can all communicate and exchange and, and be together and not just isolated and use our experiences to assist each other. So, um, all fall, I was pretty much building, um, that community and connecting with new parents and beginning to remember more and more of my experiences. Um, have you ever seen a UFO? Nope. Okay. I decided. I, I've seen two things that could have been, but Bashar always says, if you think it is, it probably isn't. Um, so I'm going to say no. But I mean, I, it's very easy that I could have. Okay. Well, no, I've just, I've, I've, when I was very fortunate to sit with Bud Hopkins at one point and sit alone with him, I wish I had recorded this conversation. It was amazing. We talked for maybe three hours. And, and one of the things he said that, you know, these clients come to him and they just kind of lament, you know, they're like, oh, I've been through all this stuff and I've never seen a UFO, you know, basically saying it's hard for them to, to fully understand or comprehend their experience without that sort of waking confirmation. And um, so, so the fact that you haven't seen a UFO doesn't, I'm like, that doesn't mean much. Um, uh, at some point, your father got involved in all this. Yes. He, he was on this before I was. So at the same, well, at the same time that I was doing the healing um, training in 2011, he, was, he went on this tangent where he just literally watched conspiracy um, documentaries pretty much 24 hours a day for a whole summer. It was very interesting. And I, <laughs> sorry, that sounds like me, but keep going. It was awesome. But it was like, what are you doing? And of course the conspiracy then goes into the aliens. So at the same time, I'm at my retreat calling him going, we talked about alien abduction today from this, you know, metaphysical point of view. He's going, well, yeah, the government's covering up and blah, blah, blah. And so it was fascinating to have, he was kind of my polar, um, more scientific or like factual, practical. He's always brought in that element that I haven't resonated with as much. So we got to collaborate um, over those kind of six months of awakening um, to to understand more about it. But he didn't he didn't actually um, become aware of his abduction experiences. I channeled one of his hybrid daughters came through in about July of 2012 and she's my, she's my sister and 
the second he saw the image that I painted of her, he just knew that that was his daughter and instantly started this telepathic uh, relationship with her. And so by by August, when I did the regression with Barbara, he goes, okay, I got to go see what's in there for me. And so he did his regression and his regression was completely opposite to mine, which he had the terrifying hiding in the closet, you know, disempowered, you know, normal kind of uh, common experience. Yeah. Yeah. Now, just so you know, I've attempted hypnotic regression three times with three different uh, hypnotherapists and nothing has really come through of some fleeting stuff that's kind of incidental to the overall experience, but nothing related to, you know, what may or may not be at the source of it. So um, anyway, I just, so just sort of coming clean with that, that uh, I've tried it and nothing's come of it. Um, well, it's, it's a deep, I mean, for, oh, it's, I mean, I, and just when I, I mean, I was scared, like, man, I was, I was anxious going into those, those, those sessions with those people. So I was not at peace. Yeah, that's what he was feeling. I mean, he said that, I mean, it. I think it was like a four-hour regression with Barbara. I mean, to where he was digging and prying into that unconscious. And it was like, I mean, the amount that he got in the four hours was, he could tell me in five minutes. But it was enough to where he remembered seeing that gray right in front of him. He remembers the reptilian. He remembers the gray dragging him down the hall. And so he got to he got to that point, which I think was very helpful, even though I mean he was shooken up for the next few days, just understanding how powerless he felt as in an ego way, where it's like your power is completely taken away because you have no control and your ego is just, you know, that's the thing that's scary. Now, did you did he record the session? He did. Do you have you heard any of it? I haven't heard any of it, just his recollections of it. Okay, like, it might be interesting because, I mean, it would, it, um, to show that. Now, um, that, so where are we in the calendar now? I just want to get us right up to today at some point somehow. I think we're in the late fall. And um, so, oh, I guess the next thing would be 11. I went to London for a month and I didn't feel anything of like any kind of ET stuff. And then when I got back, Bashar had another workshop. And I got called, um, he synchronistically just random, well, it's not random, but he draws, you know, your name out of the hundred people. And I got drawn all three days in a row of the three day conference. And, um, and so I asked, cause I hadn't been feeling my connection with my kids. I hadn't been, you know, having new experiences. And so I said, are there any messages from my hybrid kids? You know, I need some help here because there's just nothing coming through flowing. And um, he tuned in and said, pretty much, you need to go to Sedona. And I'm like, I've been wanting to go. And he's like, then go. And so um, I connected with this place called Angel Valley in Sedona. And they wanted to connect with me after they heard about my art and heard me speak three different times that weekend. And um, within a, a week, I was driving to Sedona, and I stayed there for the month of December. And I think we, you and I spoke at some point in December, either I, you're on your drive to or from Sedona. We talked a little bit where you're traveling. To Sedona, when um, right at the beginning of December. Huh, I have some funny Sedona stories, too. And just so you know, um, 
uh, it is kind of on my list as far as like, you know, it, I, I sense I might be moving there at some point. And um, partially I just love the desert. And then partially I feel a little bit isolated in the life I'm living now just because so much of my uh, energy has been has been drawn towards these issues. And, and I just find that there's not really a community for me here. Right, right. Yes. Well, and I, I laugh because you being drawn to move there, um, it's it's funny because the second I, I landed there, it, I mean, it's, you know, major vortex, obviously, like we all know. It's the highest frequency place in the Northern Hemisphere. And as Bashar said, even from the 70s, I watched one of his videos the other day saying, this is from the 70s. Parents, hybrid parents will be synchronistically drawn to high-frequency remote areas of the United States between your years of 2006 and 2013. And I'm, and I've just all I've been hearing is different people going, "Hey, I'm kind of feeling drawn to move to Sedona because that's one of the first places where they'll land because it's such a high-frequency place. Um, it'll be the perfect place for assimilation." Now, see, this is you do this thing where you say, like, I, now I'm. <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm so cautious. And, and so I have heard a lot of, oh, I've, you know, like the, the thought of them landing is, is almost not even in my radar right now. I mean, cause, cause I just feel like the, there's a mystery that's, that's, that's part of this whole phenomena. And I think that, 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 that may be too simplistic. I think, you know, I, whatever, I, I do sense that something is out there, right? Something is out there. Something is, I feel this sort of impending urgency that that's real in me, but I don't know if it's going to play out, you know, with a metal spaceship landing in a physical spot, it may play out in some, some consciousness way that, that, that I, I dare not even guess, you know, how that plays out. But, um, so, okay. So we're in December. This is, we got about a month to go. What's happened in the last month. So, um, so, so December, um, when I was there at Angel Valley, um, there's something specifically about that place and that valley that has this, I mean, I could feel the ETs. Like if I moved, if I just let myself, if I let, let myself go to that next step, like of seeing them, they were there. Like it was that clear. There was something just wild about it. And, um, I couldn't quite go there, but, um, but it was, I could definitely feel them and it was in greater communication. And so, um, as December 21st, my dad and I went to Bashar and, um, the thing that we came to both on that night, it was very strange separately. It was like, we pretty much need to go build that contact community. And separately, it was like, we need to go build the contact community. Cause was your dad traveling with you to Sedona and that trip? He wasn't. Okay. So he just spontaneously came up with the same thing and he's um, his whole life, just like us with the advertising, his whole life has been real estate development and community building um, socially and bringing together people. So it's, he's cultivated these skills over his whole life that lead to this next step for him and me in this next step of, you know, assimilating these kids and bringing mothers together. And so um, it's, it's brought us to this point where in the past month we're going, um, how else, the only reason why they can't say land right now is, well, one, we're not ready. We haven't done 
enough of our personal work to work through the things that we need to, to get out of kind of this limited reality and expand to this other this other plane of existence. But um, it's also we're not ready for them. Like if they they can't just like land. You know, I'm sitting here in Los Angeles. They can't just like land on some lawn or and just move into a isolated apartment with one of their mothers. That's not what they're coming for. They're coming to meet humanity, like at its best, like a a dynamic grouping of a community of people that have come together that are ready to embrace them and learn from them and vice versa. And so um, Bashar has talked about these isolated communities needing to be set up to help assimilate um, the kids and and the adult, the the people, the humans to be able to handle it. And we're just being very drawn to do that in Sedona. And so, um, and my, my dad's um, planning on creating one in Santa Barbara and San Diego. So the physical structure has to then be created because we talk about so much, you know, I, I feel like in this ET community and even just the spiritual metaphysical community, it's all these hypothetical conceptual ideas or experiences and at some point it needs to um, translate into our physical world our physical lives it's like we can't go to nine to five jobs and not be like living our passion and expect you know these high frequency interdimensional beings to come live with us like we've got to meet them halfway in all that we are and all that we do and so um so that's that brings me to present day to where I am. I'm um, going to Hawaii for two weeks uh, next Saturday, and then I'm moving to Sedona. <laughs> Fascinating. Fascinating. Okay, so um, uh, question. So I'm just going to, I've got been writing some stuff down here. Um, so on a scale of one to 10, how would you describe your sense of mission? It's It's like off the roof i mean it couldn't be an 11 sure that's yeah. yeah okay 11 okay 11 okay you know i've asked this question to many people and and uh that's usually the answer i get people will say 11 um and that there's one of the things that i don't know if you've looked at i mean it seems like every ufo abduction researcher in any some form or another will have a questionnaire and most of the questions are kind of you know logical like have you ever had missing time that kind of thing um ever woken up with marks in your body um but one of the questions that always gets asked is do you feel a sense of mission and and i actually don't answer that many of the questions in a way that would um or that seems very overt in a way to, to sort of jump to a conclusion but the the question of sense of mission comes up in man that 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 i feel the number 11 too so i don't understand why yeah it's it's amazing it's it's and it's me it, it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's some like manipulative outside force it seems like the deepest most like heartfelt knowing part of myself is leading me which is really beautiful yeah i i it's the where the source of it is it's it's you know i can't say but but it's definitely something i sense um now your father, this is funny because I, I have a friend of mine, she was over at my house, and this is when I first stumbled on your video, uh, your YouTube page, and uh, and I was shocked there's you and your dad, and uh, his name is Kirk Nielsen, and uh, Kirk actually is, means church in Scottish, or it's, it would be, I guess, Gaelic, um, 
which I think is interesting. Uh, and then during that little thing where, because I knew nothing about you at that point, just was like, huh, look what I stumbled upon. And like, and, and most of what I was shocked about in my friend, I was like, you got to watch this. Look how smiley she is. This is like, this is like people, there's a lot of, you know, people talking about their experiences. Not many of them are as smiley as you are. So I was like, this is strange. And, and I got to say, your dad is very smiley too. So there you both were like smiling away, talking about these, you know, very bizarre you know things that uh, that other people talk about though they seem a little more challenged let's say um and then during the uh the thing your father talked about the the illustration that you did the painting the watercolor painting and he referred to it as a picture mm-hmm. and i mm-hmm. said he's mormon i was with my friend and it's like there he's mormon he was raised he's from salt lake uh and that that's uh, the word would be like i i it's one of the things that you can catch people who grew up in Salt Lake, you know, usually implies Mormon, where um, the rest of the population will say picture to describe a picture. And then, but uh, he said picture. Like, oh, a, like a, you know, like, so yeah, so I was like, he's, he's in, and then I can't remember when it was, but some point later, I think it was during our phone call that, that uh, it came out that like, oh, you know, he was raised. So I, I felt like I caught that little teeny, that one little word just said like oh this is so what is i mean were you raised in a mormon household no by the time that um that i was born they were um i guess eight years about out of the church so um they had gone i was a life spring course of miracles type baby (laughs) where like they were they were on to that type of stuff but my dad actually did go on a mission and came home early um because he just he started to see even more in the Bible than in the book of the book of Mormon and um, just everything exploded for him. So as far as, I mean, my journey seems like fast, um, but his, I mean, he's been, he's like this slow burning fire that's kept on going through these different um, phases of experience to, to get to this point. Like it's amazing all the, you know, that he's overcome to go to these, these new places of expansion. Um, and my mom with him and she's like on board with us on all this stuff as well. So it's pretty rare and astounding how, how far they've, where they've come from and now where they are. And you're now, so I did not, it's not like I hired a private detective. I wasn't sneaking around, like trying to get information on your father, but I did just, you know, click on his Facebook page and it just took a few clicks and I stumbled on some videos that he did. Now, is he running some sort of spiritual retreats or, or programs? There's some videos. Yeah. He's, he's written, um, three books on, on different various topics. Um, and then he's like, okay, what kind of topics? Um, topics of money, like working with money relationships and overall spiritual philosophy and like a cohesive and more integrative way. And, and I, I'm assuming that, 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 that had a big influence on your life, just his, uh, his, his outlook. Oh, absolutely. Okay. I mean, the way that I was like raised in a, in a way of, um, I was raised in a very logical, surprisingly, very logical scientific way. Um, and very, um, mental and objective perspective and understanding different ways of thinking. And so all of those skills, I just was like, I don't know, embedded with since I was growing up. 
So I didn't have a lot to overcome in that way. Like I already had pretty good programming to kind of dive into these areas with healthy skepticism and then, you know, believe what is real for me. So. And, um, so he's been running retreats of some sort or, or like weekend seminars. Yeah, he does that. And he also does, um, they're called oneness of us events. So, um, it's where large groups of people in Los Angeles, it's usually 80 to a hundred people come together and they share their gift of who they are. Um, in a lot of the spiritual work that we've done, he, he found out that his father is a native American, was a native, native American chief. His grandfather was. And, um, so he uses a lot of those, uh, tribal community philosophies in what he does with this in, in the old tradition a tribe, of course, you gave who you were, your, your skill of tracking bears is, was your gift to the community, and the community needed that and received you for that, and vice versa, and now we've kind of um, mixed up who we are and career path, etc., and so in coming together in these groups that he holds, um, people give their gift of who they are, and then someone else picks it, so they all put it into a box, and then you draw out different, different people's gifts, and then people are living more in alignment with who they are and what they, um, their true value. And so these, these um, workshops and these different events are really powerful. And so that's pretty much how these communities will start to be running these physical community, communities that he's going to now create in the way of if you love to, you know, plant plants and dig in the dirt and, you know, cultivate those kind of things, then you're going to be the gardener. Or if you love to cook, then you're going to be the chef. And so it's, you get to be in full alignment with who you are and um, everyone's uh, congratulated for their part in the tribe, in the community. Huh, okay. Um, you did an illustration. It's a watercolor illustration. It's on your site. And it looks like it was done um, as part of almost like a channeled reading or a, or a, or a psychic reading in a way and it's of a woman excuse me it's of a, of a young i think it's a girl she has a pink robe on and a large hybrid like eyes and she's standing in front of a cliff and there's an owl in the image do you know the image i'm talking about yes what's the story behind that image um this is so i have different hybrid mothers um contact me that know that they have a hybrid kid but they would like more of a pictorial energetic um, connector for them to develop their relationship further. So I channel these, the actual visual drawings of what they perceive uh, telepathically or with their extra senses. And so this little girl's name was Willow. And um, the mom didn't tell me anything about her relationship with her hybrid, hybrid kid. She just said, will you, will you paint this picture of Willow? And I said, of course. And so the first, the image that came to me, my mind was this that you see um, there, which is her her hair blowing in the wind and this willow tree and the owl. And after um, I, I sent it to the mom, she goes, oh my gosh, the, the energy that I always connect with with willow is she's always blowing things around the house. Like literally there's a breeze wherever she walks. Like there's this wind funnel that she walks with. And so, um, so these kids, I mean, they're real personalities. They're real people. They're just not 
you know, necessarily on Earth yet. They're on spaceships. But, I mean, they have perceivable personalities that, you know, three three people can tune in and connect with the same hybrid kid and all come away with the same personality and the same kind of visual essence or energetic essence. So, it's yeah. So that's that's the story of that specific. So in in a sense, you're doing a you're doing a sort of psychic reading, but you're you're handing them a visual image as as the as the session, I guess. Yeah. So I've connected my kind of psychic healing skills with my artistic skills um, and merged those two to um, yeah to create this dimensional portal to the energy of these kids. What's the symbolism of the owl? The owl, I mean, she's like, the little the little hybrid's like, I want my pet owl in there. And I'm going, well, I know what that is, which is the grays. And one of the things that I started to do in these portraits is if there are any other star family that want to be included in, in the paintings, I'll do another painting in addition and, you know, include, it might be like a Pleiadian or, you know, a reptilian or someone, but I'm going, oh, wow. Her star family got in there. That Zeta Reticuli little owl, you know. So. So the owl is a stand-in for a gray alien. Okay. Have you had any experience with owls? Um, I personally haven't, except for that experience slash dream um, a few nights ago when the owl was standing on my stomach. The owl slash reptilian. Yeah, the owl slash reptilian. Okay. Um. Just wondering, that's one of the questions I ask everyone. There's a few questions I ask every single person who comes on the show, and one of them is, what's up with the, all the owls? Right. And do you have an answer for that? I guess you did. You just gave me the answer that it's a stand-in for the greys. But... Stand-in screen memory for the greys. That's all I can say. Okay. Okay. I mean, just so you know, I have. I mean, I've, I think I spoke about. We. I spoke about this briefly when we talked on the phone that I have seen a lot of owls. I live in a place with a lot of owls, so that's not that unusual but um the, the the setting and the situation and the context has been extremely bizarre yes. um, and yeah. very telling and, I, and these are real owls these are not screen memories i feel absolutely 100 percent confident to say that like i'm interacting with real owls not some not like a projected screen memory into my mind wow yes um here's a question i ask everyone um how would you define shaman a shaman. Shaman. Um, I would define a shaman to be someone who is connected to the different, to just different dimensional planes of existence. Um, whether that be going through different physical places, whether it's like Earth to another, you know, to the space, or from the conscious mind into the unconscious mind, just going to different levels of consciousness. Um, and shamans, I guess, specifically use more of like, they're more connected, I guess you could say, to the earth. So using animal and earth symbols to um, kind of explore the different inner dimensions of the human psyche and human spirituality. And what's their role in the village or in the community or in society at large? The role in the village would be to. Um, to explore the deeper frontiers of oneself and um, when fear or unknown comes up 
facilitate um, that transition in the easiest way of using herbs, using earth, using elements, whatever need be to assist um, the greater expanses. So to assist the community in, in whatever it needs in a higher kind of perspective of, of existence. Okay. So here, now I'm going to ask you a question. You can, you're totally allowed to say no thank you. But um, so you, you, you said you do readings. Yes. Um, could you do one right now for me? Um, it depends on how, well, it depends on what um, it is. Because <laughs> one of the things that I've explored with psychic readings is it depends on the relevancy and if there's an emotional need to know. So if the information's available to me, then I can deliver like the answer. And if there isn't, there isn't. So what would you like to know? Um, uh, like, so, so a set of a, a setting or a framework for a question that, that would then, that you would then use as a starting point is what you're saying. Um, uh, okay. So th this would be the question. I am, th what's what I'm going through. I find extremely challenging. Um, and I want to know the sort of the reality of it. Is it real? And I also would like in what, what do I, what's, what do I need to do to better integrate it into my life? Because I feel like I'm integrating it poorly at present. Right. So, I mean, I guess this wouldn't be like a psychic thing, but I would say, how is it serving you? Like it's, it's definitely serving you in some way to not believe that it's real or to not fully dive onto that other end and fully believe. And so, so what is that doing for you? What is that doing for me? Okay. So what that is in a way, and I, and I almost feel like it has become habit to be stuck in that spot where I'm like challenged and questioning and what it is serving me is is less so it's serving me is I think that people are are migrating to my voice, let's say, or to my presence on this internet thing. Um, and the people who are migrating are people who are also sharing that same challenge, that same anxiety, and that my I'm articulating something that they are feeling. So, so there's a um, so I. So if it's so, what's serving me is is sort of um, oh. You know, I recognize that there's a need for that for someone to play that role, and I and I think I'm playing that role, whether whether consciously or organically or unconsciously, or you know, out of pure habit. So, mm -hmm. I, I I think that's an answer. Yeah, that's a good answer. Would you like a response? Sure. Um, and I would say that. Um, I offer you the invitation of being able to take the next step because you being a leader for these people and a voice for these people, when they say, see you go to this next level um, of whatever it may be, then they, you give them permission to do that within themselves as well, which is also a beautiful service and role to play if you are excited about it. Okay. Now, did that come from from Bridget, the the you know rational just person who is giving advice, or did that come from from a higher source? Um, I mean, it kind of came from a mix. Like, I, it's what um, it's what I 
what has served me. So, um, so it's like, it, it's whatever you're excited about. Like I go off of the, the Bashar way of doing it is, is we're in kind of a, and it, we're going into it. We're a new paradigm. It's past December 21st. Now, you know, things, things are changing even more quickly. And the more we explore and the more we shift within ourselves, the more that's going to reflect into our realities. So it's just up to like what you want to experience. And I know that when I, before I started doing the alien stuff and I was doing the healing work, I was going, Oh boy, if I go into the alien stuff, I might like lose that, those people kind of like watching me, like following me that I'm working with um, because they're, they're not going to want to like work with me anymore. If, if I'm not sharing like the same message and all I knew is that I was like, guided and pushed to to go towards the aliens and I think I've probably helped more people since I've I've gone in that direction so I think it's just whatever you're most excited to go forth into next and there will always be people to watch and listen to whatever message you have even if it changes okay and then I asked two questions and one of them is like you know What's the reality or what's the level of reality of what I'm experiencing? In what way? Uh, I mean, like, I'm still, quite honestly, I'm, st I mean, like, I, I'm still struggling. Like, is this real? Like, what is happening? I sense something is happening, and I can say with absolute 100% conviction that something is going on. What it is, I'm, 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 I don't know. Right. All, all that I can say is that believing is seeing. So going going to the certain point of if you just like with science, if you believe like they've done scientific studies, that if you believe, you know, that you're not going to see something, you're not going to see it. So it just depends pretty much on what you choose to believe rather than um, what you, what else you perceive. Okay. So I would, you know, like believe is such a sort of nebulous word, right? So, I mean, you know, people can believe that Jesus walked on water, that there's no way to know whether that ever happened or not, but there's, and then there's a knowing, which I'm much more, which seems much more important to me hmm. is, is like a sort of true knowing. Like, I mean, I know that there's a, there's my car is out in the driveway. I know that for a fact. Um, I can see it out my window right now. Um, but, and then, and I know that something has intersected with my life. Um, I, I could speculate on what that might be, but I'm very cautious to believe um, just because I don't have, because that's just, believing is too easy. Um, you know, I mean, I would, you know, I feel like, I think, feel like knowing is more important than believing. Right. And so with all of the research that you've done with all of the different um Though with, I mean, over the years with the blog and all of your personal experiences, is that enough now to go? I think I, I, I can say that I know that this is, this is true. I mean, I mean, how, what, what would you need to experience or see or have happen to know for a fact that this is exactly what you've been experiencing? You know, I think it's, I think it's less like a physical event in my, you know, like, you know, I mean, obviously like if a flying saucer landed in my yard and in, you know, some being came out and explained exactly the reality of what's going on, then, you know, that would, that would certainly 
qualify as as like a big step towards knowing let's say a great big step but um i think it's more uh i think it's more something internal in me that is that is that is i almost want to say stuck i used the term habit earlier but there's i i think that the to to step into that higher state of knowing I, I need some some part of me needs to become unstuck. Right. I feel like in the in the so a psychic's tuning in or whatnot. I feel like something's going to happen. Um, something's going to shift energetically or some kind of experience. Something's going to happen soon that will that will put you over the edge out of that stuckness. Okay. Right. Fair enough. I mean, in, 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 so here's one of the things I do periodically, I'll go back through my blog and, and kind of like, well, let me just read through and see what, like, you know, I forgot I wrote this. And I'm like, I forgot I wrote that. Oh, and I, I forgot I wrote that. And like, wow, these are, these really imply like, wow, there's, this is pretty obvious. So if I was like a complete stranger and I stumbled on the blog that is my own blog, I would look at it and I know the conclusion I would come to if it wasn't me, you know, like it's, it's my own personal narrative. And, uh, so, you know, and I recognize that in, in, in all of this, um, you know, that, that there is a sort of stuck part of it. And, um, you know, I don't know what that, that event may be in the, in the near future. I, I, in, and, and I am, and quite honestly, so let's turn the clock back. It's now 2013. If I turn the clock back to about 2000 and God, that's the sort of the, the, the trapdoor fell out from under me in about 2007 and 2006, 2007. So in those years following that, um, I have just been getting closer and closer and closer to being able, I, you know, I would not have been able, I feel like psychologically, I would have cracked if I had to integrate it all at once. So whatever's going on, I feel like I'm, I'm in the verb, like the process is happening right now. It's the verb and I'm somewhere on that timeline and I feel like, I'm in a much better place to to uh, to to drink in to integrate um you know what may be behind the curtain yeah yeah i feel I feel like something's even in you asking the question well, I ask everyone the question so <laughs> but um get oh like shift out of the stuckness, yeah. I mean, it's simple. I mean, whatever what I've said just now is stuff that that shows up, you know, either in written stuff or, you know, whenever I talk to psychics, I'll 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 ask the same thing. And I've interviewed a bunch of psychics and sort of gone through the same thing, and they all give me about the same answer. So, yeah, it seems like you're still in in your process, and that's okay. You know, I think it's like the 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 like surrendering to it is kind of the thing that will allow it to arrive. And on one level, I've been pretty bold. I mean, I'm like, I'm sharing everything. Um, there's only a very few things that I've chose not to share. And those just simply involve other people. But man, I have been like, I've gushed on this, this, especially in the written stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, using my own name and everything. So um, I feel like I've already jumped off the cliff in a way. <laughs> so. Well, I'm, I'm excited to see. And if anything else comes up, like if any any other guidance comes to me, I will share it with you. Like, okay, good. Oh, great, great. I just it's you know I, 
when I've this, I do this with people. I did this with Bashar too. I said, Hey, can you give me a, like a little reading as long as, and he said, Nope, I don't do channeled stuff over wires. I'm like, okay, fair enough. So, uh, but I do, I've, I've had a lot of psychic folks. Um, and I, and I, I basically say, listen, like we're in a format. Let's, let's, cause, and I want to share this with folks too. I'm, you know, um, okay. Let me jump back to, um, so I'm just going to jump to my questions here, you know, watching your videos, uh, and just your tone and the smiliness and, and the way you hold yourself, I am going to assume that you connect more with women than men. Nope. Really? <laughs> well, um, I don't, I, I, I would say an even amount and I don't know if, yeah, I would say an even amount. Okay. I, okay that's interesting because I just sense that there's a very, you, you, you have a very, um, Oh, yeah, I mean, obviously there's like a masculine uh, caricature and there's a feminine caricature and, and I, and it seems like you're, you're, um, you know, with the artist side of you and the, uh, you know, the paintings in the background and things like that. It seems very, you, you seem to be feminine. So anyway, that's, just, that's very interesting. So I, I just, I assumed incorrectly. Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of, yeah, it's a strange thing. I have um, men write quite often that say, I mean, that it's like a candid, vulnerable exchange saying, I, you know, I have these hybrid kids. Thank you so much for your videos. I'll be in touch. I had someone write yesterday saying that they're being drawn to move to Sedona and they realized, you know, that they have three hybrid kids. So it's, it's pretty interesting. I've, I've gotten a good mix. Okay. Oh, that's good to know. Okay. I just would have, I just, my, that was my guess. Um, and I, and part of the reason is because, and this is, I'll be quite honest. It's like, I was how did, like, you're like, I was challenged by, by how smiley you were. I guess I've said this over and over again, but you know, like I was like, that was, this is part of the reason I'm, I'm, you know, like I, I, I sensed the, the, the challenge in me to, to, I, I, if I turn the clock back, uh, six years ago, let's say, or maybe five years ago or something, somewhere in that point there when I was just at the dawn of my own set of things, I would have watched your video. I would have rolled my eyes and just gone like, oh, this, this lady's nuts. Um, I don't do that anymore, uh, uh, obviously. But um, uh, so so I guess that's, I still have that, whatever, there's, there's still that tickle in the back of my psyche that, that, that you know, that, you know, that challenge is still in me. Right, right. And I mean, even the even the fact that I'm talking to you and you're open to me is part of that going back to that unstuckness, like there's a cusping happening where something's going to break through. Okay. I mean, it's, it's, you know, and I've spoken, I'm listen, I've spoken to a lot of people, whether through meeting them directly through talking to them on the phone and that on top of reading good grief. I don't know how many books I've read in the hundreds on, on the UFO abduction phenomena. Um, <clears throat> and I, and I've, do you know, Peter Robbins worked with Bud Hopkins. So, and I, I asked him this question and I'm like, you know, what is the percentage of women who have the issues of, um, whether it be directly meeting hybrid children, whether it be odd pregnancies, uh, whether it uh, you know be uh, experiences retrieved hypnotically on ships that have you know that have all the, the the hallmarks of the what would be I guess called the hybridization process. Um, Bud Hopkins used the term transgenic being, 
um, because you know he said ah, it might not actually be hybrid. Hybrid actually has a as a definition, but uh, and then talking to Peter Robbins, he and I basically said like this is what I'm getting. I'm getting it's a hundred percent of the women tell these stories, and and he did not disagree. Um, it was you know obviously there's he he basically has not created a a data spreadsheet of all the, the the people he's interacted with, so he couldn't give me a specific, but we both agreed that the number is very close to 100%. When I think that something, I mean, in my own experience over the past six months specifically, the the men are waking up. <laughs> maybe they maybe they have been, in, in my reality and, and what I'm doing specifically with the hybrid kids, I'm meeting the fathers that are a part of my hybrid kids, I've met three of them um, well, wait, wait a minute, oh, so you've met fathers of your own children? Of, yeah, the hybrid kids. Now, where, what, what was the context of meeting them? Well, it's usually a romantic meeting. <laughs> and, um, and then we connect on just like a, a normal or like a natural level. And with one of the recent occurrences, um, I had two of my pictures, um, drawings of, the, of two of my hybrid daughters um, out on a date and I, and it was like, have wait, them wait, out. So you had them like out, had... like on a, like, like in my house. Okay. You know? Okay. Great. Okay. Okay. And, um, and so the, the guidance from them was you need to have these out. And I'm like, well, that's going to be a little weird, you know? And it was like, Nope, do it. I'm like, okay. And so the guy looked at one of the paintings, one of the drawings and literally just sat and stared at it for five minutes. And I'm going, this is a quite a mainstream type of, you know, nine to five kind of guy. And he's staring at it. And then he, he just, the first thing he says is, Hey, I just remembered that I saw a space, you know, when I was, when I was about six years old and I'm like, really? And I would go, you just remembered that. And he said, yeah, I haven't really remembered that in like 10 years. And so just this memory instantly came back by looking at the pictures and then he got stuck on one of the one of the daughters, and he he just he could feel he he's like that picture's alive. I can feel that little girl, and that little girl is digging into my soul. And I'm like, okay. And and so then he, we talked more about it, and he looks like when he was a kid, he looks identical to the drawing of the little girl that I did, and she's blonde, like I'm brunette. And she looks actually physically like him. And I had painted this before I had even met the guy. And um, so it was a really interesting interaction. And I ended up telling him probably a week later, I said, you know what? I know that this is really out there, but I think that she, like, she's your hybrid daughter. Like, and I have some of my DNA in there too, but I think this is your hybrid daughter. And he, we, we talked about it for probably two hours and there wasn't, he, he didn't want to say yes, but there was nothing suggesting no. And um, it was just too synchronistic of like that we were connected from different parts of the United States to then date. And then he saw the image and he connected to it. And as I said earlier, a parent, a person that is not a parent of a hybrid kid cannot necessarily without the kid's permission connect with that person so the fact that that my hybrid daughter connected with him in that way leads me to go okay you know they're connected so um 
So those kind of situations have been coming up more and more younger males and younger females, of course, because I, I mean, I'm younger, so there's more coming out, but more of the younger people are opening up to this and receiving it quite well. Fascinating. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, and, and I have, oh gosh, I could, I mean, the, uh, did it feel like the, the, the meeting of whether this fellow or the, you said a series of men or that you've met that? Uh-huh. A few of them, yes. Um, did it feel orchestrated, like the meeting? Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah. I mean, I specifically met this guy on December 21st. And to me, <laughs> Sorry, I just I had to laugh. That's too perfect. But anyway, keep going. That's, that, I'm like, okay, this, this is a significant little symbol to me. Um, that I would be meeting him on that day. I'm like, this is so. Yeah, I've I've definitely felt some divine orchestration. Okay. Um, here, I'm just gonna. There's some vocabulary words that I want to hear your definition of them. Star seed. Well, how would you define that? I get really conflicted on that because I mean, I guess I think everyone's a star seed. So I think that it gets pretty confusing because an indigo, a crystal. <laughs> you just got the you just the next two words on the list you just jumped to so um anyway keep going um i mean i think they're all kind of in the same category of just being a person who is more highly sensitized and aware consciously aware of their connections to the stars and greater parts of themselves and show um, different qualities of that. So maybe like increased psychic ability or increased, um, you know, connection with other beings and other dimensions. So that would be kind of my take on that. Okay. And the definition I would have, which I don't know whether it's quite real or not, you know, but this is the definition I would have is that um, the star seed would be someone who made a soul agreement to uh, in, in, a, in their previous incarnation, which would have been at some you know, non-human level, like a, some higher level, let's say, uh, that they chose for their next incarnation to be reincarnated here to perform a duty. Um, and that that's that's kind. And I almost, like, I, I hear those words coming out of my mouth and, and uh, you know, I feel like I'm parroting some other people who have shared that. So, it's, uh, so I don't know if that's my true belief or not, but that's the definition that I would have for Starseed. I, I like that. I like that definition. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Indigo children. Um, I think the indigo children and the crystal children. Are they different? Uh, I, there are differences. I think where I see them coming from is that over the generations of these different, of the, of the abduction program, each of each generation is slightly modified to where they're just a bit more light um, so that it's not, they're just stepping up in vibration. So my grandma to my dad, to me, and, you know, then to say my, my kid. And so it's just the upping in vibration, getting us closer for them to come down, for hybrid kids to come down. So um, just more highly sensitized. So the indigos would have been the first step up of that higher frequency. And then the crystal kids have even more sensitivity and connection um, back source back to the overall you know picture of all it is and then the next step would be the hybrid kids coming down and connecting so um that's kind of my interpretation of that 
so you just do you you just use your grandmother in reference to like uh you know the the the, the generational aspect now do you feel that your grandmother has had experiences sure do and did she talk about is she still alive did she talk about that or she's alive um we we've had did you i don't know if we've talked about this before but um she's she's way too comfortable for an lds woman to be to have me drawing hybrid children at her desk and like ooing and aahing at them and she had an experience um while i was staying there with my dad of her hybrid kids actually coming to her like in the shower like like their appearance appeared in the glass and she thought that it was me painting on the on the wall of the shower and we're going no and so she's had a lot of interactions specifically like with her kids coming around and um oh and so drawing on the shot so was that like like drawing like with your fingertip in the steam on a mirror is that what you're saying or yeah and so she thought that that was um me doing it and it was actually the kids i mean I don't know if they were somewhat appearing maybe behind the glass, kind of like in um, a faded way or, or they, they actually drew on the shower glass or something, but the kids were definitely present and definitely around. And so I can, I can safely say that my grandma's a part of this whole thing. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, I don't know if I would jump to that conclusion so quickly, but you know that I, you know, so you you know better about your grandmother than I do. But um, have you ever um, well, do you have any like odd marks on your body that may that you can't explain? No. Okay, this is a question that like every abduction researcher would ask. Uh, one of the YouTube videos that shows up on your site is is a uh, just a fellow sitting there talking to the camera, and his name is Jason, and he talks about meeting his hybrid daughter in a completely physical realm um how did you meet him and what's what's is there more to his story um i met him through sharon and um he's one of the most you would really appreciate him he's one of the most like skeptical research oriented like et people who's specifically very like who's young um out there so I think that makes the story even more interesting because he's so, you know, on the edge of believing because he needs it to just be blatant that, you know, and, and researched. And yet he's had these experiences where before um, that specific meeting where he met his hybrid daughter in person, um, physically, he was having, you know, sight, you know, several sightings every day for like six months. I mean, he, like the amount of sightings and experiences that he's had physically, consciously is just, I mean, it's, yeah, I'm unparalleled to what, I, to anything I've ever, anything else I've ever heard. So um, pretty, it's pretty amazing. Like you would actually really like to have him on your show if you were interested. Huh, oh yeah, no, that's, that's not, not so much that to have him on the show, but I definitely did like tap into that, you know, yeah. like, like, whoa, man, this guy's like, He's talking my language, you know, so I get, you know, I get where he's coming from. I could see him like, like wanting to explain it in a way that was, right. was clean and, 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 uh, and void of emotion. At the same time, I can't remember something in the middle of that where base, you know, he talked about like, uh, you know, like the, just a mere glance of the child. Um, and I, and I'm doing this from memory. I, and I, I just watched it the other day. Um, basically like, opened up 
like an, a, a vast eternity of uni universal love. So, so it, you know, it's interesting because on one level he's being very pragmatic, and at the same time he's like, you know, he was, you know, he, I mean, I, I feel very, I feel very strongly that he was being honest when he said that was the reaction he had. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it was an amazing. Um, it's been amazing having him around because um, he fully is kind of amazed by our ability to just say, yeah. My hybrid daughter, like I connected with her last night telepathically and Sharon's like, oh, right. That's, and we just kind of, we, <laughs> that's genuinely what we experience. We're not making it up. It's like, it's very like blatant and obvious um, to us. And, and so he's like, wow, I want to get to that place. And then we look at him and say, how do you know all this stuff about all this stuff? I mean, you must just sit here all day and research. And, um, and we're like, we want to know what you know. So it's, it's a fun balance. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, and I laughed there when you were saying that, because, you know, that's like, I'm a little bit shocked. I'm like, whoa, man, you are just jumping. You're just diving right in off the deep end there and saying this stuff where, where just for my own identity, my own reality, like I, I feel like I'm, you know, how to say, it? I, I'm saying the same thing in a lot of ways that you're saying, I'm just choosing different vocabulary words. And, and at the same time, I'm being very cautious. Like I recognize like the judgment that's in me when, yeah. when people, whatever, don't play by my rules, which is kind of childish for me to say it that way. But, uh, that, that, um, those vocabulary words are important to me. I think I even like multiple times throughout the show, I, I, I pointed out you know, specifically like, Ooh, that just this one word, you know, like I, I, I latch onto. So, um, I'll, here, I'll tell a little story. Um, I was at a UFO conference. This is going back now, probably to 2008. Um, and I met a woman there, uh, and she later turned out to have some very powerful experiences. Um, she was very hesitant to share anything. But we befriended each other. She would not share anything at the at the conference. I did not know why she was there, um, uh, and I and I liked her enormously. She's so we struck up a you know a friendship right there and then. Um, and during the conference, I was, oh, you know, um, like I was pushed to my limit as far as like the stories I was hearing, not so much even from from people on the podium, just you know people that you you know sort of bump into at the line where you get your coffee. Uh, and, um, and it was, it was like dragging me down emotionally. Uh, mm -hmm. it was, you know, I felt like I was walking, you know, when you're, you're, you have a Macintosh, right? Mm -hmm. You know, when it freezes up and there's just that little spinning lozenge, that little, I felt like that was like, that's what my face must've looked like. Just that little spinning logic, you know, the lozenge just frozen up, just seized up. And, um, and so I sat with her for a little bit and then like, I am, I am pushed i am challenged i can't get past this and she took me outside we sat on a park bench and she very sternly it was really great i actually give her a lot of credit she was very stern she was like the you know the junior high school gym coach you know like she got right in my face and said you cannot you know be judgmental like this these these are just their stories these are just you know these are these people's experiences you cannot uh you know, it's, it's not going to, you're, you're going to, you're going to be crushed under this if you don't, you know, recognize that all these people are doing are sh is sharing their stories. And, um, and that was actually one of the more important things that's ever happened to me in my whole 
strange journey on uh, here. Uh, that's whatever brought me to this place right now where I'm doing these interviews and stuff. Um, you know, to, I'm to, I mean, I, that, that little, that little voice is still in the back of my head, you know, but it, but it doesn't, um, but I recognize that, uh, whatever, in a way you're not saying anything I'm not saying. It's just like you and I are using just a few different vocabulary words. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We're on the same team. Uh, so this, I, so a heads up when you go to a UFO conference, it sometimes it doesn't feel like you're all on the same team. There is, it's like, you would think it would be like a, like a flowing, you know, love fest, but it's pretty, there's a side to it. That's pretty catty. Uh, and, and people are pretty, um, you know, whatever they kind of whisper each other, you know, you would think that that'd just be a, you know, hugs and, and, and magical flute music, but it's kind of people like whispering behind each other's backs. So, um. I'll be, I'll be aware. Okay, and I mean, just heads up. I'm just, just open with you because I feel comfortable, but in, in that setting, I would be more the observer. And you know what I mean? And, and kind of not just declare myself to that degree. I would, I oh, would oh, I... tune in ability to see what was appropriate. Okay. Now, just so you know, like, like the reason I go to these things is absolutely because I can just declare my experiences without any, you know, like you have permission at a UFO conference to share your stories. Right. Um, so yeah, so don't hold back. Like I'm not saying, but just be like, just be aware that it's um, whatever. I'm, I'm painting a dark picture, but it's not as bad as I'm, I'm, I'm painting kind of a crappy caricature of it, which, which isn't really true, but um, I wish it was more, you know, hugs and, and, uh, and love. But um, so uh, what's, what do you, what, what's going on in the future for you? Um, Besides Sedona. Um, creating, I'm, I'm going to do some artwork there, but it's, it's more so starting that kind of like community flair. Um, I don't necessarily know. It's one of those things that I'm just like, I'm drawn. Like I have been to all the other stories I've told today. Um, and whatever comes up will come up. So I'm not quite sure yet. Fair enough. Um, uh, you, I will say it again. You are very young. Um, I, whatever's going on. Um, I sense that you're not going to be deterred. Right. And you'll proceed forward, whatever that means. And, and, uh, and I just, you know, proceeding forward means evolving and changing. So, um, you know, this, the reality of, of, of what we're talking about now, I, I have a feeling if we did this interview a year from now, that there would be, you know, changes in outlook and changes in, in intensity, it, quite probably it might get more intense. Um, but um, yeah, I just want to say thanks for, for coming on and sharing this time with me. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Great. Um, if, if there's anything you want to share, hey, could you just plug your site a little bit? Um, hybridchildrencommunity.com. And we have Facebook page and um, Facebook group to connect with, which just is hybrid children community again. And then our YouTube channel is youtube.com slash the hybrid children. And my personal website is Bridget Nielsen, B-R-I-D-G-E-T-N-I-E-L-S-E-N.com. And that's me. Okay. And once again, that's my middle, your last name is my middle name. That's my mother's maiden name. So on some level back in Denmark, wherever, uh, you know, well, I guess whatever half the people in Denmark are named Nielsen, so uh, that's the, the, what I suspect we're 
related somehow way back there um here just one more thing there on your youtube video there's a it must be about seven minutes long or so and there's a there's a just a woman speaking in front of the camera named uh what's her name michaela michaela mm -hmm. michaela i was blown away i was just slain by what by by her presence i thought she was great she yeah she's wonderful and i mean she's telling like basically the story of coming to terms with with her own hybrid children yeah yeah and i mean she's very close very close to them and i mean it's very real just like it is for me for her but that was the first time that she had like come out you know publicly in any way like she had just you know spoken about her experiences to very few select people so that was a really big deal that video um and it, it was just amazing how it captured her like true love and connection for her kids yeah yeah and i was uh, that one that one in um and the one with um jason i thought were very good bookends because she was very very emotional and 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 jason was very very pragmatic hey thanks so much it was great Thank you so much. Oh, good. I look forward to talking to you soon. Yes. Bye now. Bye. Hi, this is Mike. I am chiming in at the end of the editing process. I just want to add a few more things here. There's an audio interview with Russell Targ, and Russell Targ was one of the scientists that worked at Stanford that uh, sort of pioneered the initial remote viewing research and studies. Um, so he's been for, you know, 40 years now uh, immersed in study of consciousness and the study of psychic abilities. And he's just recently published a book titled The Reality of ESP. And that, and that book was published in uh, 2012, you know, less than a year ago. Now, I bring up Russell Targ because he points out in an audio interview, uh, I haven't read any of his books, but he points out in an audio interview that uh, he was doing studies on Reiki healers and he was challenged by the way they would describe what they were doing. The Reiki healer would say, energy, I have energy that comes from my hands and I use that energy to heal people. He had a problem with the term energy. Uh, now, for a physicist, energy has a very distinct definition. Um, you know, he said that energy or, or the intensity decreases divided by four as the distance is doubled and this is a physical law um, I, I had to look that up on on uh, Wikipedia to repeat it there I actually don't understand it all that well but um, you know the implication is that uh, you know the if if someone put a giant floodlight in uh, the parking lot and you walked right up into it in, during at night and put your eyes right up close to the floodlight it's going to be very bright the energy would be would be very bright in your eyes so you get in your car you drive a mile down the road you look back at that parking lot where the floodlight is uh, you can still see the floodlight but but it uh, its intensity has decreased so that's to me a very simplistic definition of what i think he was trying to say now in his scientific studies his controlled research he concluded that the reiki therapist actually had profound benefits to the patient um, and these these benefits did not change whether the patient was in the same room with a Reiki therapist or if the patient was on a telephone a thousand miles away from the Reiki therapist this uh, did not fit the definition of energy because the the benefits the results 
of the Reiki therapy was the same despite the the the, the distances uh, so his he was he was concluding that there was some other some other phenomena taking place that couldn't accurately fall under the vocabulary word energy uh, and this is you know so he very much not believed i mean he very much proved to his own satisfaction that 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 reiki therapy something that uh, some pragmatist may try to to uh, to deny just because it sort of fits into the uh, the envelope of the new age um, so Russell Targ felt very confident that something very real was happening. So uh, this is a very long-winded story, and th that that story had a parallel to me where I was challenged, oh, not so much by, by what Bridget was saying, but some of the vocabulary words he was saying. Oh, for reasons, whatever, I wish I was more open-minded, I wish I was more at peace with, with all of this, I'm not. Uh, terms like like indigo children and and vibrations. I mean, these are these are terms that get used all the time in this context, um, and I don't truly understand what they mean. And uh, you know, quantum is another one that that like quantum physics. People say that all the time. I I, I even say it. I use the term holographic universe all the time. Um, I don't really know what that means, but I but I end up hearing these things, and I and I'm I'm just for some reason I'm today in particular. I don't know why. I'm very um, hyper aware of how much baggage they have. I mean, baggage that, that I have, I guess is a better way to say it, uh, around those terms. I, I just wish there were different words. I, I, those, the vocabulary words create an emotional response in me. And um, so uh, now, all that said, I'm quite convinced that the, that the people that are part of this community of uh, parents, of hybrid children are finding an enormous amount of solace uh, connecting with each other. I, I am very cautious to speculate what it may mean in the big picture and what the future will bring. Hey, I'm going to do something that uh, I'll occasionally do. I'm going to tack on about uh, four or five minutes of dialogue between Bridget and I. And this was this was pretty much when we picked up the phone and started our conversation just before the the actual interview proper started. Um, we talk about a few things that are interesting. Actually, I talk a lot, but it's I, I thought that it was relevant to to what's going on here. And also, I just re-listened to that short little bit uh, where uh, that I'm going to tack onto the end, and I edited a little bit. I just so there was a couple little things that I thought were worth adding. But uh, what I do say, I I, I use the word challenged which I use so many times in this interview. That was sort of the, the one repetitive word out of my mouth for sure. And also um, I say vocabulary word. Uh, basically, I'm challenged by vocabulary words is what I said, and I, and I repeat that over and over again, and so I sound like a broken record. But um, it's interesting how that was at the forefront of, of just my own mindset as I uh, did the interview and as I went through the, uh, the editing process. All that said... Um, I hope you enjoyed the interview. I certainly, I was very fascinated to, to hear what Bridget had to say. If you've made it this far, thank you so much. Bye now. Good. Have you done many of these interviews? I've done a lot of interviews. How many is a lot? Well, I mean, not, I've done a lot of live interviews, which is kind of intense. Um, so this is kind of nice because it's a little bit more casual. 
Um, I've done probably how many? I did three with like a major uh, radio station in LA. That's the Ben and Bean or whatever thing. Yeah, Kevin and, and Bean. You know, I listened to those. I thought it was a little whatever. I was yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm I uh, whatever. It, it just seems like the wrong forum. They seem like sort of like you know what do you call it? What's the type like drive time jocks? You know, kind of. They are. That's what was so strange about the whole thing. But it ended up being super beneficial because so many people in Los Angeles heard me, you know, and I got you know Discovery Channel and then Sci-Fi are kind of. Um, interested in doing something with me because it was in Los Angeles and because it was on a pretty big station. So it ended up being like really good exposure for just, you know, ETs and abduction. And so it ended up being really good. Huh. Okay. Uh, yeah. Once again, we record this is recorded. So if you sneeze or if I ask anything that's too personal and you go, good grief, I'm not going to answer that. I can just edit it out. So, um, you know, whatever, if you sneeze or if you, Perfect. and, um, and then just so you know, uh, I mean, I care. I, you know, I don't know what you remember what I told you, but my experiences um, certainly. I'm very cautious to the words I use because I'm just I, I'm so challenged by vocabulary words. But um, you know, my experiences would certainly fit into the category of alien abduction. Right. So um, yeah. So and then I've also been like completely fanatically studying this. So um, for the last I don't know, yeah, 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 decade or so. Um, yeah, you're probably one of the most diverse people in the in the community, wouldn't you say? No, no, no. There's lots of people who are much more well versed than I am. But um, but in a way, but you're looking at you talk to you know individual people and kind of like see the patterns. Like I feel like there's something special and unique to how you do it. You know what I do feel like I do is um, you know there's kind of two divergent things, and I'll, we'll talk about this in the interview. I may even include this little bit. Sometimes I tag this kind of pre-chat stuff in at the end. Um, what I do is uh, I feel like there's like a there's like a what's the term like a like a confrontational almost divergence. There's two sides to the UFO research community. There's you know the very simplistic way to use look at it is the love and light crowd. And then the nuts and bolts crowd, you know, the people who right. want evidence and the people who look at the consciousness aspect of it, um, and believe those that is like that is oil and water. They do or you know they do not mix. Uh, <laughs> you know they'll um, you know, they. It's funny to be at a at a UFO conference because you know they they uh, you can just see the strata. You know you can just tell from across the room who's who. Um, right. And that said, I feel like I'm curiously agnostic. Um, you know, like I feel like I have I have one foot in both of those worlds, and I can uh, I can. I mean, it's all challenging, right? You know, it's all everything. The whole thing is challenging, but uh, but I feel like I'm. You know, like I'm balancing those two, and and I feel like I'm. What's the term? Like I feel like I'm. I'm not. I like I like I don't see it as simplistic. You know, like I feel like I can step back and say, well, well, these these totally overlap where other right. people who are immersed in it would say, Oh my, these don't overlap at all. That's just, you know, we can't, you know, like we have to study the burn marks in the field and ignore what the, you know, the, you know, like, you know, the, the, the way it plays out, whether this isn't really true, but this is kind of like an anecdote that I'm just making up. But you know, the, the, the researcher will show up at the house of a, someone who claims some sort of contact event and they'll stay in the yard measuring the burn mark in the circle in the yard and won't go in and realize that the person you know, in the house, 
you know, is now psychic, has left their church, is, you know, is channeling aliens, you know, they'll totally stay out in the yard and, and then, you know, take soil samples. Right. And they'll miss a big part of the, the, the thing. I think that burn mark in the yard is important, but, um, you know, I just feel like we have to give as wide a view as possible. Well, it'd be so cool if both could work together. If the two, two people showed up at the house and one <laughs> went and studied the burn mark and one went and talked to the person. Oh, uh, you know, I mean, it's, I, I oversimplified it greatly with right, that right, little right. example. So, uh, yeah. but, um, and also I mumble a lot. I don't know if I, I guess I've said that before, but I will sometimes go back and re-edit my dialogue. I'll, I very rarely will edit the guest's dialogue, but so, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll, I will edit some of my, you know, sometimes it, takes me i have to walk around the block three times to get a question out and then um i guess i told you this the other day but so 